Hey, everybody. Welcome to Terror Talk. It's officially winter here. I know. And I spent some real winter this year. And I'll tell you, it's not that much warmer here. No, especially at night, right? Well, so, you know, I spent some time in the Midwest and some part in the Southeast for my holiday break. Sure. And I went from as low as 18 degrees. Yeah. Which is Midwesterners are like, that's really warm for us. And they're not wrong, but to yeah, no, California, yeah. that's freezing. So 18 and then to like 40. And today here it's like 59, but that's midday. Our mornings are still. And it's nighttimes. sunny today. We've had a lot of days where it's really overcast and there's wind, obviously that. I've had the sickness for two weeks. I got the bronchitis. Uh, yeah. And man, I feel for you. I had chronic bronchitis for years. I know. I, I really empathize. It brings back all the sense memory of that. <laughs> so I will edit out as much of I'll do my coughing. best to not hack at all of you, but know that it's coming from a place of love. <laughs> so there will be a little bit of coughing and she'll try to do it off mic, but I will try to edit most of it out. But, you know, we'll take breaks. Because that's what we have to do, right? Take care of yourself, everybody who's dealing with the winter ick. Because the ick, that's the way it goes. And I, I'm about, I'm gonna go to Sundance in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And there have been many years where I've gotten the ick while I'm there because oh, yeah. the temperature change is so drastic from here. And then I'm also out walking in the cold air and the snow oh, all yeah. the time. It's and cold. So- you know, what's funny is on our drive back. The first and only snowstorm that we dealt with was Flagstaff, Arizona. <laughs> Which, I mean, you know, those of us that live on the side of the country really know the that Flagstaff is the one part of Arizona that does get snow. So that is not unusual for people who are maybe on the other side of the country going, Arizona gets snow. This one area does. But we didn't have snow anywhere else. Until we got back to Flagstaff, Arizona, which is like six hours from L.A., so it was really funny. That is really funny. It just got you on the way out. On the way back. Oh, the dogs (laughs) were like, what is this? What we are, California? Yeah. Yeah. This this is cold, Ma. Yeah. Where's my booties? Where's my booties? (laughs) All right. So today on the show, we're going to talk about the Twin Flames universe, which is a YouTube school, basically. It claims to help students find their one true love and has gotten the documentary shizzle uh, twice in the last year. In October of 2023, there was a three-part series called Desperately Seeking Soulmate, Escaping Twin Flames Universe on Prime, and it's still on there, I checked, and that told the story of the group and its members, basically just the whole arc of it. And then in November, Netflix actually did its own thing with a documentary series called Escaping Twin Flames, which is another three-part documentary that digs a bit deeper, honestly. But they both tell a very similar story of the arc of this school, this organization. I just want to say, too, that I've been here even before this documentary became you know, I think a lot of people are watching it now or have seen it already. But this idea of twin flames mm-hmm. is now becoming a thing that I'm even seeing people hashtagging on their Instagram posts of their partner being their twin flame. I'm like, 
Do you know what you're saying? I don't know that they do, and I don't know that most of us know the deeper meaning of twin flame spirituality. And it's interesting because I was having a conversation with my friend Jasmine, who some of you may know I guested on her podcast about a different spiritual organization. And she and I have recently been talking about twin flames and I think she has the ability to give me quite a bit of education around how it is in the spiritual communities, how it's, how it's discussed. And so she and I are actually kind of talking about me going on her show again, and maybe we can talk about this again, but I wanted to talk about this with you today because of just the organization and how it unfolded and how the personalities are and and kind of what it's gone and then we can make our own conclusions about because they're still operating so we can make our own conclusions about what we think and then maybe with Jasmine we'll talk more from the spiritual side of things because she very much knows more about like what the twin flame spirituality the spirituality is about and I, and I'm not, that's not my expertise. I'd also like to know if, you know, and I know we'll get into this later in our episode, but with what we saw in this documentary, it'd be interesting to hear from Jasmine, like, is this how it is everywhere? Or did they just use this concept and kind of make it their own? Yeah. I think that's the latter. Yeah. (laughs) Because I do believe most of these spiritual concepts what I'm finding is when I when I delve into sort of one of my, you know, pet projects or one of the things I always get very interested in, which is spiritual narcissism, you find that people take these spiritual concepts that are born out of true, deep, meaningful journeys around self and soul and all of that, and then they distort them for their own Yeah. Their own gain. And and this is no this is no different. I watched both of the documentaries. I know Kathy watched the Escaping Twin Flames one on Netflix. So we'll talk a little bit about them later just as documentaries and if they're worth your time. I definitely think the story is worth your time. I want to start out by just talking a little bit about the two people that run the organization, founded it, developed it, run it now. The male in the situation, the male leader of this organization's name is Jeff. And the female leader is named Shalia. And they are a couple. And I know a little bit about their growing up. Just a little bit. I've seen that Jeff's high school friends, like his best friend is interviewed in one of the documentaries and he talks about how Jeff was really, really funny, really, really goofy. And you can kind of see that come out in a lot of the videos and a lot of the kind of YouTube vlog type material that they have as part of their social media presence. He's really goofy. His best friend said like in high school, they used to do all kinds of fun things and they were, had a really great time. And you know, this was his best friend. They had a, they enjoyed each other. And then they also interview his high school girlfriend and she talks about how charismatic he was and how it was like being in an episode, you know, in Ferris Bueller's day off or something, just this like really charismatic, guy and she was she had just such a great time with him he was a lot of fun and he always talked both people talk about how he always talked about building businesses about how 
he wanted to be the type of person that had kind of very little investment and made a lot of money from that. And that's a paradigm over the last decade or two that's been very much in our culture. You know, the four hour work week book was a bestseller, you know, that kind of thing where it's like work less, make more money. Right. So he, from as early as high school and college, that was his, that was his thing. After high school, he moves to Hawaii at some point and begins to follow a more spiritual path. And honestly, this is before he meets Shalia and his best friend talks a little bit about how they were in communication and he would watch his YouTube or his social media. And Jeff was already starting to change his name a bunch of times, um, grew out his hair kind of like Jesus like, which he kept for a really long time. And he would talk about meditating and praying for his one true name. And then every couple of months, his best friend would be like, and now he's Ender and now he's this and now he's that. So there was this very early, early twenties, mid twenties, I'm, I'm guessing discovery of self, like identity issues kind of going towards what's my divine name. This really attracted to spirituality in that way. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Like we're not to the part that's inherently wrong. <laughs> there's nothing really inherent that that's sort of normative for the age. Not all of us want to change our name, but it's normative to be struggling with identity at that point. He meets Shalia online and Shalia was born Megan Plant and she's from Canada, raised Catholic. Her parents divorced at the age of 10. Her dad moved away from the U.S. at that point, and then her mom died at the age of 15. So there was a lot of early, you know, young disruption of caregiving there, which I imagine for most of us sends us into kind of a searching mode, searching for self, searching for caregiving, searching for understanding the world. It's like very early. I can... I can imagine that very early on, all of a sudden you have to do it for yourself instead of people who have parents who live longer. You know, there's this progression of of them mirroring you and helping you kind of discover yourself as a young adult and all of that. And she didn't really have that from what I can tell. Obviously, neither Kathy or I know either one of these people. This is just what I'm kind of gathering from the surface of what what was told in these documentaries. And I also read a few articles on vice that I'm sure they wouldn't appreciate as the truth, but you know, because they're, they're inflammatory. And then there was a big article with vanity fair that, that kind of blew the lid off of this and got them a lot of hate. Ultimately they meet online and the idea around twin flames really came from Shalia because she was the one on a spiritual journey around twin flames. And Jeff really learned about this concept of twin flames from her. And he was also trying businesses. He was coaching. He was trying to be a coach and like coaching people online. And he even told his best friend about his sort of new coaching business and how, he had this, wow, I have had, you know, I had my first coaching client and we went back and forth on Facebook Messenger and I, I cured her of her multiple sclerosis. 
So he very early on had this idea that he was divinely driven from mm-hmm. God to heal, right? So he's got like Jim Jones vibes, right? Where it's like, I can heal through my powers. So that delusion was beginning. That delusion of grandeur was there that I can heal physical, medical ailments with my coaching, with my mind, with the exercises that I give them and just talking to them. It was really early. And how old did you say? It seems like maybe early 20s, mid 20s. Okay. Because they lost touch, of course, once Jeff actually had this bigger organization and everything, the best friend was left behind. And, you know, anybody who knew him from before. Could he cure my bronchitis? It would be so good. I'm curious. I wonder if uh, I, I mean, wrote him an email. Yes. I'll get into it later, but I can tell you the exercises he'll give you. Because <laughs> oh, he does the same thing with everybody. But, okay. He learns about this from Shalia, and I imagine the sparks began to fly. They totally fell in love. There's no there's no if, ands, or buts about that. They they saw each other as their their twin flame, which... If you don't know that much about twin flames, and I am certainly not an expert, it's more it's more than soulmates, although I think our colloquial world kind of goes like, oh, twin flames, you mean like soulmates, but it's more like your divine complement, your perfect lover, your best friend, the other half of your soul, as if our souls aren't complete ourselves. Uh, your super spiritual soulmate, you know, it's like, it's, it's like bigger than soulmates to the spiritual community. That's really all I know. It's like beyond earthly connection. It's in a spiritual realm as opposed to just soulmates. We get along amazing. I feel connected to you. Yeah, no. And we, we just from that description, yeah, one can see how quickly that can unravel into something. Yes so delusional and absolutely unhealthy and i and i can see how it could be a lovely thing where people feel like you know they have a spirituality and they feel as if this person was brought into their life by god and i can see how that that's a faith system that people can be a part of and 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 could be quite lovely but you can because of the conversations we have and what I know about spiritual narcissism, like this is what these kinds of organizations do is they take these perfectly lovely concepts, these beautiful sort of soul driven ideas at, that many of which are hundreds of thousands of years old and based in a lot of mythology from way back in the day. And they take them and they distort them for their own purposes. I truly believe that they fell in love, but I also truly believe that Jeff saw a way to scale his business with this. Oh, this is the thing. <laughs> we can really we can really, you know, dig down on. And so, you know Let the man speak, woman. I remember him <laughs> saying that at one point. Yeah. Jesus. Shalia wanted her spiritual practices to scale as well and to reach many. So it feels a little bit like his spiritual narcissism and delusion and her spiritual narcissism to want to be a speaker of truth or like just on a bigger, like to proselytize and to have wealth, of course. They're seeking wealth and it kind of was a match, like it was a match made in heaven kind of thing. But um, You know, it's that prosperity gospel. 
that's very common. And we, we've done some discussions on other documentaries about organizations that have that prosperity gospel where it's like wealth and then passing on the wealth as long as you do what I say. So they open this organization, they start classes, they start coaching, they start doing these live classes on YouTube where we're all signing up, right? You're signing up, you're buying the classes. It's like 100 to $200 a month and you're going on these Zoom calls and you're talking about Twin Flames. And, you know, unfortunately, what we know now is that 80% of the people that they were talking to and that were attracted to this were heterosexual women looking for a man in a destructive, abusive kind of situation where a lot of them were suffering heartache. They were suffering loss. They were suffering abandonment by someone that they thought they loved. And this was looking like the ultimate anecdote to them these are people who are really genuinely looking to resolve their traumas and find companionship. And they didn't understand what they were doing wrong and why it wasn't coming to them. And they were desiring this like soul to soul union. They were needing validation. They were at their lowest place, really vulnerable. And if you have this narrative in your mind that you're unlucky in love and you believe that it just doesn't work for you. You know, we hear that a lot in our culture, like, oh, I just, I'm gonna have a bad picker or I just can't get it right. This is the kind of situation that will get you into relationships with narcissists, with people who will make promises to you and they will validate you and you will believe a lot of fiction when you're in that state because you're looking for have your your trauma's resolved. And we see that a, lot, that a lot as therapists, of course, people coming in when they've had a lot of disillusion around love. So Jeff and Shalia will t were telling you, imagine if it's you, they're telling you about twin flames. They're educating you about what that is. And they're also telling you that they can guarantee that they will you will find your twin flame through their program. So that's your first red flag. <laughs> and they're going to tell you exactly who that person is. Ultimately. But it didn't start out that way. No, it did not. It started out by saying, we're going to guarantee that you'll find them if you just take these classes, if you have these conversations with us, if you join our community. So they're doing the classes. They're doing the classes. There's all these people. It starts to grow. They'd start doing what's called the mirror exercise, which isn't inherently a bad exercise. Uh -huh. It's just that they start doing it. And unfortunately, when you have folks that are blaming themselves for everything, this exercise plays right into that and as a way to control you. So the mirror exercise is basically, I identify why I'm upset. She doesn't love me. Then you change all the nouns and the pronouns to point at yourself. I don't love myself. And then you're supposed to give yourself the love that you're not getting from other people. I love myself. I this, I that. You're supposed to go inside of yourself and give that to you instead of seeking it externally. 
And it can be interpreted as everything is your fault and can be solved with inner work, which is distorted through them because everything is your fault. (laughs) There's no balance whatsoever. Every single thing is your fault. And so everything can be fixed with your inner work. So as I'm sure (laughs) Kathy had a big reaction to when she was watching, it's like this creates and ultimately created a lot of stalking behavior. And I want to tell you that uh, one of our next episodes coming up is is going to be about like coercive control and a lot of things that Kathy's going to explicate with that. So I thought this would be a good, this show is a good topic to set us up for that show because you're going to talk more about it then. Yeah, and they actually allude to, they don't, they don't say it exactly this way in this documentary, but essentially they are questioning whether someone who's being coercively controlled is voluntary right? That you're participating in your own abuse. And this is, this is where we'll get into this later. I I just, I don't want to digress too much, but just sort of planting the seed around at what point is the person no longer making sound decisions and where lies the culpability of the organization versus the person involved. And, and I think that this is, which I will, again, to an extent talk about in the stalking episode around it's not always easy to just walk away. No. And these folks had an incredibly hard time. It took months and months, sometimes years for a lot of them to, and a lot of them didn't get out, but as we'll see, there's reasons why a lot of them did ultimately get out. Like, you know, we've talked about on the show before, like even when you're just, you're in a relationship with a more narcissistic personality or a narcissistic organization and, and all of a sudden the fog clears a little bit and you get a glimpse of like, Oh wait, Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is, Oh no run. And your, your flight, you know, response kicks in finally. And, and so a lot of people had that happen. And and then also like the removal of a certain threat. Cause I think people mm-hmm. stay in these situations because it feels too threatening to leave. And I think until they understand that there's an absence of some threat, mm-hmm. whether they've built protective factors over here or they have enough now to realize that leaving doesn't hurt, then it opens the ability to be like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. And so this guy, Jeff, you know, he felt he had the power to really bring out people's trauma and then, and then cure it. And these are a lot of the ways that he would go about this. Seal swan. <laughs> yeah. It was the idea that you seek yourself and then you can find your other, meaning your twin flame or the relationship that you're looking for. But a lot of the doctrine started to be around this push-pull dynamic that we see in so many abusive or toxic relationships is you need to pursue and claim those words, right? Claim your twin flame. And it doesn't matter if this guy, and I'll tell you 80% of their audience was straight women. So that was a lot of, this guy is not, you know, him ghosting you or him only talking to you at night, 
you know, all the things that we don't like as straight women and our red flags for being used or abused or treated like, you know, he just added that into you and all of that shit was happening with these women. And they were being told that someone is always chasing and someone is always running. And if you've decided that this person is your twin flame, then you must aggressively go after them, harass them, stalk them, keep texting. Don't accept the no for an answer. Don't accept that they're not talking to you. Don't accept that they don't see that you are twin flames. In fact, several of these women had got to the point of having restraining orders and going to jail. And then Jeff and Shalia would tell them to continue pursuing the person. I mean, this is, this is a domestically violent relationship. Yeah. This is these people. First of all, your name is Megan. You're a white girl named Megan. You're not Shalia. Okay. And even the, even the, I understand we can look at like developmentally and she's playing with identities. It, it, all of this to me, when I look at it is like, well, this is later. Yeah, this is later. But this, this, uh, control around the way that they're, um, creating this illusion. And one of the things that we know about, um, you know, abusive relationships is that they're going to pull you away from everything that's good. They're going to pull you away from your family. And then they're going to tell you that, you know, we know what's best for you. Yeah. So that definitely leads me to the next piece, which was what starts to happen, right? So, okay. So now there's all of this stuff where they're trying to get you to to pursue irrational connection (laughs) under the guise of this is your harmonious twin flame connection, which is shit they made up this adding the word like harmonious twin flame is, is, is a bastardization of this spiritual concept. So what they do is they, and now we're shifting into, you can't trust yourself. You have to trust us. And what ends up starting to happen is that it starts not to work because people start to say, I've been doing this for such and such months or a year, whatever, and it's not working. So what's the problem? I'm spending all this money and people start to really rebel against the situation. So they, you know, as business people, they're like, hmm, what do we do? We've got an 80% female organization We have people who are saying this isn't working. These people don't believe that they're my twin flame. So what do they do in their genius business minds? They say, we've got all of these people, these tens of thousands of people. We'll just make them believe that they they have each other. We'll set them up with people within the organization, but we have an 80% female organization. So what do we have to do? We have to sell that there's a divine feminine and a divine masculine. And you either embody one or the other, which goes against, of course, everything we know about masculinity and femininity. We all have both. But they're saying you're either one or the other. Okay, So how do we, so we'll just couple them up. We'll tell them that God told us, and I'm not saying they don't believe it. They may very well believe that this is true. Like I'm not saying they're 
mindfully sociopathic. They might actually be mm -hmm. delusional and believe this because I don't know them, so I don't know which it is. But they start to say, we're going to couple you up and we're going we're gonna to tell you what God tells us is your divine gender. So you have, now you have conversion camp. Well, and what's sad about this without jumping too far ahead is that it really gave the trans community such a bad, bad reputation of like how much being trans is from, the ideology is from being brainwashed or somebody being able to change you in that way Awful. because we know that through this process, some folks were that that were labeled as defined masculine and were cis women were essentially coerced into transitioning into a trans male or trans masculine body. And although we know that that does happen naturally with people who are legitimately transgender, and maybe there were some in there, we don't know, that this just put every trans law backwards. So there were several trans legitimately trans yes. people in this organization right. and some were told that they weren't actually trans, that they were, you know, a divine male or divine female against how they identify. A spiritual penis. Yeah. And others, m most of the stories that were told, I obviously don't have data about their organization, but most of the stories that were told in these documentaries, which as we know, the media curates, so I don't know what was real, but the stories were around straight women being told they were divine masculine and being told they had to change their names, shave their heads, present more masculine, have more of a gender expression of that was more culturally male, all of these things. And, and then they're matchmaking. They're saying, you know, Jill is your twin flame and you're the feminine and She's the masculine, and that's the way it is. It was awful. It was like awful. watching those things was truly awful. And now they have all these interviews in both documentaries of people who got out. One of the breaking points a lot of people left when they started to say, like, you've got to, you know, the, the new business model was we're going to set you all up together because nobody in the outside world believes what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, red flag. And then there were luckily a lot of people that were like, uh, no, <laughs> no, and started leaving in droves, right? And so they just doubled down and they just started, you know, and they live in a bubble, you know, they made a lot of money mm -hmm. because, because one of the things about this, it's an old school pyramid scheme where they coach you and then they recruit you to coach put you on a pedestal, tell you you're the best thing since sliced bread, and then you go out and recruit and coach it. So they make crap loads of money and they live in a big mansion. And there's, this is twofold. So one, we have to look at the timing of when this really began to thrive was pre-COVID, COVID. Everybody is online. So much can be done through these Zoom chats and whatnot that makes this work. They are able to reach so many more people. What do we also know about being online is there's a, a level of that remoteness sometimes 
can actually be used as an advantage for these folks. What they were able to do successfully was target people with trauma through the internet. Yeah. They coached to tell people that they, that they will solve all of their problems. And something that I don't know if you were going to get to this, but I'll bring it up since we're here is they developed the map system, which is the, the mind alignment process used for people who had diagnosed trauma and without any psychological training, they would have them go back to the trauma and pull it out through some meditative state. It was incredibly suggestive. They would tell people that they had sexual trauma that they could never remember and telling them that's because it's deep in their unconscious and they don't remember it. When these people didn't, they're planting seeds that led them, led the, the victims of this to having a reason to leave their families. So this became more and more aggressive. And to Shannon's point, what ends up happening through making all of this money is once they start with this pyramid scheme, in regular pyramid schemes, although there's, they're problematic in a lot of ways, the people do keep their money and the top people make more and more and more. What ended up happening here was one day they decided these folks were not going to make as much money anymore mm -hmm. and they were going to take like 75% of their income mm -hmm. and they're already so in this and indebted to this spiritual narcissism that they're like, you know, it's like taking a vow of poverty like a nun. It's like, well, I guess this is my purpose. Fuck. Absolutely. Well, and that's where I was absolutely going in that they live in this big mansion and they never go anywhere. And they literally have people who follow them living in their, oh in their space, doing all the chores, working for them. Sure doing all of the hard labor around the joint for, and so they've surrounded themselves with people who believe in them, people who put them on a pedestal. So there's no gut check. There's no reflection because it's not allowed. They literally, if you, it's, it's that pure narcissistic cult leader where if you go against it, you're cast out. Like there's a bunch of stories about like people who are saying, you know, I'm actually not a guy. And so I'm going to go now. And this is a bunch of hooey and all of that. And then they would block them and write big articles yeah. about how awful no they were. No checks and balances. No, because a narcissist doesn't let you no. have that. No. They don't take feedback. And anybody who claims divine power it's very often abuse. I mean, that's, we don't have divine power. No, I don't know. That's y not true. You've declared your omnipotence. That's right. But I've seen it warranted. and omnipotent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to laugh in this. <laughs> oh, well. I got halls all over the desk, but... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a couple things I want to mention. <laughs> One just, is, you go ahead. Yeah, go, you go ahead. I just want to see if there's anything left from say that the serious things, yeah. and then I will say the not serious um, things. <laughs> One of the things that they emphasize too is through this process, and and they they demonstrate this through showing the videos, the Zoom chats, is that they kept people their they kept their targets. I will call them in states of upset to keep them hooked onto the program. So there's this constant message that something needs to be fixed to, to keep them hooked like a drug. So they very rarely, they would give like tiny crumbs of progress or promise, but then that was always laced with, 
you know, like you're super close. However, you have X, Y, and Z to work on. And this is a, a whole, so there's no, you know, when you think of, not that this is therapy, but when you think of like therapy or whatever, we have goals, we have ways to measure, is somebody ready to move on to that next goal? Are they ready to stop treatment for a while? If they're looking at this from a trauma framework or they're looking at it from even just a, a life goals framework, they were always going to find a reason to keep that person hooked on the Absolutely. drug. Absolutely. That's why the business model kept changing. Yeah. Yes, it did. They weren't in the conversion therapy business to begin with. No. That just came, that was born out of, how do we get them away from all these people telling them that we're full of shit? <laughs> oh, let's isolate them further and couple them and together. This guy's such a clown. Can we just talk about just his Please. whole persona? His whole visage with his Jesus hair and... Oh I my can't. god! And just even when it, the the stuff that he he was so awkward too, and when he talks about the gender, um, he's he, really goofy, really socially awkward, socially really awkward, really stuck in that like fifteen year old. Yeah, the gift of the spiritual penis, he called it. If you are divine masculine and you are a woman, you still have the gift of the spiritual penis. Oh yeah, and there's all <laughs> there were all <laughs> okay. I have to tell you this one. So on one of the videos, there's and in the documentary, there's this guy from Germany. He's kind of got a shaved head, and he's one of their people, and he's a cat guy. So he's sitting there, and there's like all these cats, and his like two or three, four cats in the background, and he. <laughs> so he's on there. Don't cough, Gabby. <laughs> I'm he's, holding my breath. I know he's on there going, "My cats just don't love me." <laughs> They're my twin flames. Stop it. And they don't love me. And so Jeff and Shalia lead him through the mirror exercise with his cats. This is the other documentary? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't remember this part. No, no. they don't. You don't actually see the uh. mirror exercise that they do, but you do see the guy and you see the cats and everything. And then somebody tells you the story about how like in one of the classes the, they take him and then the guy goes away and he starts doing the mirror exercise with his cats. You know, like... Whatever he's, you know, my cats don't love me. I don't love myself. You know, he starts doing yeah. the thing. And then he comes back a few weeks later and he says, my cats are better now. Oh, they really God. love me. They're very affectionate. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I love my animals, but come on. So there's that. The cat guy from Germany. I feel for him, really. But But that just tells you like, a lot, a lot of the people that spent their hard-earned money out of trauma and pain were coerced for months and years. I mean... The most vulnerable, right? Awful. Yeah. You know, I mean... Shalia's crystals are gendered. Shalia! Your she name has, is Megan. She has crystals that are male and crystals that are female. It doesn't get any whiter than Megan. I Crystal love Megan's. By the way, anyone listening named Megan, my niece's name is Megan, but let's be real, it's not close to Shalia. Crystals don't have a gender. Now you are othering crystals. In case you were confused. <laughs> they don't have genders. But that tells you the binary world they were striving for. Oh, sure. It's, it's very it's, internally it, misogynistic. It sort of too. says everything about the heterosexual, binary. Internally misogynistic. Highly. That too. Because he was training and grooming these hetero women to understand that, you know, at the end of the day, if, if, if your twin flame is going to sexually assault you and that's what you're labeling it as, 
then, you know, you should have some shame and guilt around. You're not doing something right. It's you. Do the mirror exercise. Do the mirror exercise. It's all you. Well, and there is an there. I will say that, of course, there were gay women. Of course, there were Mm -hmm. trans women in this in this organization. And in one of the documentaries, it, it does end on this note of there are these two women that met in the organization. They're still married today. And they they have what looks like, at least in the show, a lovely relationship. But they're one of the relationships where they were trying to get one of the women to become male. Mm-hmm. And they uh, they just ultimately left and then were ostracized and blocked because um, this woman, Anne, who they were trying to get to be ma- male as the divine masculine was they finally just were like no right. <laughs> this is not happening this is not who i am well, of course yeah. she agreed to it in the beginning and at least on video you see her you know you just see these people really grappling with i want to believe the, the the control the coercion and the- whatever it takes to get that that you know forever love and and what people will do for that yeah you just see them really struggling and agreeing to things that there's they don't agree with yeah it's It's sad it's really sad and what i'll tell you in closing is if you would like to enjoy yourself go watch the cats go to the (laughs) yeah do the mirror exercise with your cats no go to the amazon prime video of this documentary and read the comment section because it's delightful. <laughs> it is in it's the one that's called Desperately Seeking Soulmate Escaping Twin Flames Universe. It's it's on Amazon Prime. The comment section is filled with people saying these people are awful, la la la, and it's filled with people who are giving it one star and saying this is awful, this isn't what we do, da da da. It's this back and forth, this black and white of people who believe in this organization and people who got out or don't. Yeah. It's like the best documentary in the comments. You got to do it. So, okay. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. Stay tuned next week for. Kathy's episode that is about a lot more than just this, but it'll have you know a little bit more explication around stalking, etc. So we very much appreciate you. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.